welcome 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 i would like to welcome you to episode 361 of the unpopular podcast this is the man the myth the legend jalen hunter here with the unpopular podcast we not only ask you to agree with me i'm asking you to hear me out for a lot of sports fans this is the most important and exciting time of the year for them this is when college football officially starts uh the nfl is starting next week and it's just a, it's just a you know, people, especially in the United States, people love football, uh, and it's just an exciting time. Well, where I want to start is the news that we got out of college football in the ACC. Um, as we know that this this has been a very turbulent year for college football or turbulent offseason for college football as far as, you know, conference realignment and you know the the Pac-12 pretty much breaking up all the teams going to either the Big 10 or the Big 12 and now you're hearing Stanford, Cal and SMU are going to be joining the ACC pretty much leaving at least for the Pac-12 leaving what or Oklahoma or Oregon State and I think Washington are the only schools in the Pac-12 after 2024 and I've talked about this before. I talked about how we kind of saw this coming. You know, we kind of saw when we know football, especially college football, is dominant in the South. And we know just how important it is, the SEC, and how much money college football generates for schools like in the SEC and for for other conferences. And we also understand the the talent discrepancy that we've seen in college football for a while not saying that you know Oregon isn't a talented school not saying that Oklahoma isn't a talented school but the talent gap especially when we talk about defense it has been stark and again you you kind of we've kind of seen this conference realignment thing coming it it hasn't it's it's not really coming to a shock nor a surprise for people. And like I said, I've talked about this for I've talked about this for a couple episodes now, but I'm starting to think this is not good for college football. Now, I understand it. Don't get me wrong. I, I understand it completely. And I, 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 I see why this is happening. It makes sense why this is happening. But I just don't think that it's good for college basketball or no college football in general. One complaint that you hear a lot about college, college football is there's people feel that there's biases towards, you know, separate or certain conferences like People, when, when we talk about the college football playoffs and the selection and everything, and even when we talk about the rankings, people feel like there is a bias towards conferences like the, the, the SEC or the Big Ten. And I'm not going to lie. I do think that what a lot that goes on. Viewership is important and popularity is important. You want the best product on you want to display the best product that you have so i understand that you know maybe a team like washington may deserve 
or may have the resume to go to the conference football or college football playoffs, yet they might have the same record as a, let's say, Alabama. And, of course, you're going to put Alabama. People want to see Alabama over Washington. So in certain instances like that, I get it. But we're, we're starting to form these super conferences. And, again, while I understand it, and it is a bit exciting, I do understand the argument that it is a bad thing for college football. The thing about conferences that are beautiful and the thing that what you're kind of doing is you're taking away the the rivalries, you're taking away the conference rivalries. You're just you're taking that away when now you're having all the schools form super conferences. Texas going to the SEC. Um what Oklahoma going to the SEC. You have Oregon uh, going to the Big Ten. Like, now you're not going to get the Civil War rivalry, which is, of course, Oregon versus Oregon State. Those those in-conference rivalries make the conference better, make the college football better. People are excited to see UCLA against USC. I mean, yeah, they're both going to, I think, the Big Ten, but... That that is something that has been exciting about college football that you're going to lose. On top of that, yo, when you look at how the hell do you expect SMU or let's say Stanford to play a Clemson on any given like what? That that is crazy type of travel. Or Oregon going against University of Maryland. It just, it's going to be taxing on this. the athletes. It's going to be ta- it, it just doesn't, the, the, I get it, but I also understand the argument that this is going to be detrimental to the product of college football. On top of that, when you get super conferences, you start, you're going to start to see a lot of the smaller conferences, which you've seen already, but a lot of the smaller conferences absolutely not have a shot to do anything. And the thing that makes college sports great is the illusion of parity and the illusion that you can you can beat anyone on any given Sunday or any given Saturday or any given day. That's one reason why people love March Madness in college basketball because you have teams like um, Florida Gulf Coast, you have teams like um, Ryder that can that can go and upset a I don't know a, a Kentucky or North Carolina or Duke. People love to see that. Well, when you have super conferences, it's like. Now some of the some of the teams that have been great in those conferences, like a, a possibly a Maryland, a Penn State, they're just going to get trampled over because they're not the breadwinners of the conference. This just to me, this isn't this is again. I understand it, but I just think that it's it's not. It's not good for college sports. I think that the product is going to, because again, this is, this is tough. Some of the travel is tough. Oregon playing Penn State. 
or traveling to Penn State or Oregon or Maryland traveling to Eugene. <laughs> or uh, what? Stanford traveling to play Clemson. That is crazy. And it. I will say this. I do think that it's it's exciting for the conferences that are getting new teams. And it's it's kind of like a uh, it's kind of like a U a U sports car, you know. It's exciting and when you go to a car lot, they're going to make it look shiny, they're going to make it look like it's the greatest car in the world but when you start looking on the hood and you start pulling up the carfax and realizing logistically this is kind of crazy because it's like how how is this how is this how are super conferences and honestly right now we only have what three of them the big 10 the the SEC and the ACC and honestly the only reason why the ACC are you can kind of consider them a super conference is because they have Clemson and Florida State that's about it so I guess congratulations to Stanford Cal and SMU for joining the ACC but I just think overall the product is going to suffer have you ever have you ever traveled and uh, my East Coast people, have you ever traveled to like California? That is a long flight. I think it's like six hours or something. That is a long flight. Imagine getting off that flight and having to, to play a football game. That's crazy, man. But hey, shouts out to them. Um, shouts out to it. I, I'm I'm always interested to see how it goes. I could obviously be wrong. Uh, they could do a fantastic job, and 2014 can be the most exciting year for college football in college football history. I don't know if if that is the case. I will come in here and say that I'm wrong. But it just I'm seeing I'm seeing a lot more negatives in my opinion than positives. Once you lift up the hood of this car and while it has a super engine some of these parts might be uh fickle let's just say that so let's move forward i just finished a complete divisional breakdown of every division in football um i talked about you know the strengths of every division, the strengths of every team, the weaknesses of every team. And I think I I didn't really rank the divisions, but I did say that the best division, in my opinion, is the NFC or AFC North. And the worst division, in my opinion, is the NFC South. Um, It's it's just that's just it's going to be a very interesting, a very good year in football, in my opinion. And what I wanted to do this episode is I wanted to rank the top 10 players in football right now. Next episode, I'm probably going to 
top 10 teams. I'm going to predict week one of the NFL season. I'm probably going to give my superlatives and who I think is going to win, like the MVP, rookie of the year, or offensive rookie of the year, you know, all that stuff. I'm going to save that for next episode because next episode is the day before the season season starting. But this episode, I want to give my top 10 players that I believe, uh, let me, let me, let me preference this. Obviously, this is my podcast. This is my opinion. I see a lot of people in the comments that don't agree with what I say, especially the Derek Carr video. Hey, that's okay. I'm not upset with you guys. I'm not saying that you guys' opinion are wrong, but what I'm saying is this is my opinion. These are my top 10 players that's in the league this year that I think will be top 10 this year. Let me just say that. Of course, there are some great NFL players. I mean, people that didn't make the list. Uh, Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase, to me, is one of the best wide receivers in football, Uh, especially when you pair him alongside Joe Burrow. I think that that is just one of the deadliest combinations in football. Um, Tyreek Hill didn't make the list. I think this is going to be a big year for the Dolphins. I talked about that in the divisional breakdown. I think that the Dolphins have a really good shot. It, it really depends on the health of Tua, but the Dolphins have a really good shot to make some noise in the playoffs and honestly have one of the best rosters in the AFC. Again, it's really about Tua and about the connection that he has with a Tyreek Hill. But Tyreek Hill didn't make the list. Um, Dak Prescott, people's savior in football, didn't make the list. I just think those a lot of those interceptions, even though, spoiler alert, Josh Allen is on the list, um, I think that the interceptions really hold I would say this. I think the interceptions really hold back Dak Pre- or Dak Prescott more than it holds back Josh Allen. Um I'll, I'll talk about it. But, yeah, this this is going to be a big year in football. And this, I, I talk about it all the time, man. This is the golden age of football, basketball, the golden age of sports. We have talent sprinkled throughout the entire sports realm. And there are players in every single sport that you can argue can be placed in greatest of all time conversations. So, Yes, I understand that there are people that are going that are that you think deserve to be on my list and definitely leave it in the comments. We'll talk about it. But this is my list starting from number 10 of the best play or the players that I think will be the best players this year. Number 10, I have Aaron Donald. Last year and Aaron Donald has been the best defensive player in football for a while. Aaron Donald has been widely considered one of, if not the greatest defensive player of all time. Last year, he dealt with injuries. In fact, the whole Rams team dealt with injuries, but the Aaron Donald dealt with injuries towards the end of the year, didn't finish the season. And even with that, and even last year when he was playing, while no, it didn't result in much wins, Aaron Donald was the not his dominant self, but he was still a dominant player. You're hearing reports that, and he even said that he feels like he's the be- in the best shape of his life and that he has something to prove. I'm not saying that Aaron Donald is going to uh, 
lead <laughs> the Rams to new heights or back to the Super Bowl. I'm not saying that. I mean, there was several years where Aaron Donald was the best team and the Rams just weren't that good. I think, you know, with the setback of Cooper Cup um, and just how this roster is constructed, I don't think the Rams are going to be that good. But I do think that Aaron Donald is going to be back to his dominant ways. Uh, now, the reason why I have him 10 and I may I have a couple of defensive players above him is because age does start to creep in and. You can only be dominant for so long. Don't get me wrong. And, and I'm not saying that he's Aaron Donald's Aaron Don going to fall off a cliff. But age does start to creep in. And especially when you've already started to consider retirement, I think you lose a step. We, we, we talk about that here. We talk or people talk about it all the time. When a player starts, com, you know, contemplating retirement, they're not all in. And I'm not saying that Aaron Donald isn't dedicated to the game, but. I just think once you start, there's a reason why you start, you know, you start contemplating hanging up the hanging up the cleats. I think he's going to be great this year. I think that he is going to be motivated because of how the Rams and how his season ended last year. And I think that Aaron Donald, while I don't think he is the best defensive player in the league anymore. He has been dominant for a while, and I think that he is going to be back to his dominant ways. So I have Aaron Donald at number 10. At number nine, I have Travis Kelsey. Uh, spoiler alert, he is the only tight end on this list, and rightfully so. Travis Kelsey is the best tight end in football. When I talked about the AFC, or AFC West, and I talked about how important – the connection for the for the Chiefs, the connection that Travis Kelsey has with Patrick Mahomes. When you look at this wide receiver core, man, it I feel we're gonna see a heavy dose, and we see it every year, but I feel we're gonna see a heavy dose of Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes. Because they're the two pieces on this offense that you know what you're gonna get from them. Travis Kelsey, like I said, is one of, is the best tight end in football. I don't think that's much of a question. I don't think that's much of a discussion. I think the discussion comes in is when we talk about all time, kind of like with Aaron Donald. I think that you can argue that Travis Kelsey is a top five, top three tight end of all time. Now, a lot of people want to say, well, anyone can be a top 10 wide receiver if you, or tight end if you play with Patrick Mahomes. Not true at all. <laughs> not true in the slightest. I think one thing that separates Titans is some Titans. Let me not say some, and let's, let's not go down that road. What I will say is this Travis Kelsey has an innate ability to find open seams. And he is one of the best of all time. To to find a way to get open. I don't know if when you when you really look at when Patrick Mahomes throws the ball to Travis Kelsey when he catches it, most of the time he looks wide open. Now that's not a detriment on the defense because it's like they can play. It's there. There's no way that every single defense leaves Travis Kelsey wide open. No, Travis Kelsey 
has the ability to find the open seams. He's an incredible route runner. He's an incre- He has wide receiver tendencies just in a big body. He's kind of like, or Kyle Pitts has the ability to be kind of like Travis Kelsey as far as having tight end or wide receiver abilities as a tight end. Now, no, Travis Kelsey isn't the best at blocking, but what you lack in blocking, you get in catchability and runs after or yards after catch. And Travis Kelsey is one of the main reasons why Patrick Mahomes is as great as he is because you have a and he has been a legit weapon for Patrick Mahomes. So I have Travis Kelsey at number nine. This pains me as a Washington fan. But at number eight, I have uh, Michael Parsons. There's a reason why a lot of people, whether whether justified or not, there's a reason why a lot of people have the Cowboys going really far this year. Some of it is, of course, because of Dak Prescott. Some of it is because of CeeDee Lamb. But most of it is because of, because of Michael Parsons. Michael Parsons has emerged as one of the best defenders in football. One of the best uh, rushers of the rushers of the quarterback. One of the best tackle. When we talk about a, a perfect defensive player, you can't get much further than Michael, Par- Michael Parsons. I think one thing that I he needs to work on, which let me say this: one thing that people say he needs to work on is his motor, because you do see that he does get tired at times. But his engine, like he goes, he's kind of like the Russell Westbrook of football, meaning he goes a hundred percent every single time. Um, and. Yeah, I think that you can have an argument that he is the best defensive player in football. I don't think he is the best defensive player in football, which is why I have a number eight. And the player that I do think is the best defensive player in football, I have a little higher, but I digress. My, it's While, yes, it is a quote-unquote quarterback league, and the – the Cowboys are only going to go as far as Dak Prescott takes them. But when you have a player like Michael Parsons on the defensive side of the ball, your team always has a shot. And your defense should be considered one of the top defenses with a player like that, no matter who else is around them. Even though you do have Dexter Lawrence. I mean, you do have uh, Lawrence. You do have um, Diggs. It's, it, Michael Parsons is one of the best defensive players in football. And... That's one thing that cannot be denied. I don't believe so. So I have him at number eight. Number seven, I have Jalen Hurts. Now, I know that's crazy and that sounds blasphemous to people. Like, how is Jalen Hurts, who finished second in MVP last year, who finished or came runner-up in the Super Bowl, how is he number seven? Well, I think that there are six players better than him. One, And honestly... I th- I'm interested to see how he looks this year. I don't think he has much to prove, but I do. Th- I'm interested to see because he did have the easiest schedule in football last year, 
And while, yes, he was incredible, and I'm not taking anything away from him, I have said on numerous occasions how I was wrong about Jalen Hurts, and he has completely changed how I see him and how I feel about him. I he ha, he goes from the hardest or the 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 easiest schedule to one of the hardest, if not the hardest schedule. And I'm I'm interested to see what he and this Eagles team look like. I think that some of the problems that you're able to mask when you're playing a lower tier team and a lower team defense you're not going to be able to do anymore because I still think that there are still question marks about his accuracy and, you know, his, his deep ball. Now, yes, you do have AJ Brown and you do have Devonte Smith and Dallas Goddard. Those are always incredible pieces to have. Um, but I, I want to see what he looks like against, you know, tougher, tougher teams, because as we saw the two teams that he, he played that were probably the toughest teams. He didn't look that good. He didn't look that good against the 49ers, which he does have to play this year. Uh, and I, I'm not saying that they would have lost, but I do. I am interested to see. I'm interested. Uh, that's always a big what if. What if Brock Purdy finished the game, you know, because Jalen Hurts, whether you can blame on on injury or not, I don't know. He didn't look good at all. And while, yes, he was the best player arguably in the Super Bowl ultimately he came up short um so I, I know it sounds crazy I'm not crapping on uh Jalen Hurts Jalen Hurts is great he's one of the best best dual threat quarterbacks in football um and I do think that he I mean obviously I have him number seven out of all players in football so I have I think Jalen Hurts is going to be great. I'm just very interested to see what he looks like now having one of if not the toughest schedule in football. So I have a number seven. Number six, I have Josh Allen. Josh Allen is an incredible quarterback. Let's just be real. <laughs> I do think that the biggest hindrance him obviously is some is his decision making. Um the the first year without Brian Dayball, which last year, uh, he led the league in inter or yeah led the league or yeah in interceptions. And maybe that could be a fluke year. I don't know, but he did look more like the Josh Allen of you know year one and two, I believe. But let's not get it twisted. Josh Allen, with his passing ability, with his running ability, he is one of the best dual dual threat quarterbacks. To me, he's not. He's not the same runner, same type of runner as uh, Jalen Hurts. I think Jalen Hurts is a is a far better runner of the football at, at the quarterback position. However, I think Josh Allen is a much better thrower of the football than than Jalen Hurts. Um, and I think that it does help that the Bills' defense is predicated and honestly goes through Josh Allen with everything it does, even though I do think that it comes back to hurt them at times, especially talking about the running game. I've talked about that at nauseum and how this team does not focus on the run at all. Uh, but Josh Allen is great, and he has been great since being paired with Stephon Diggs. I'm not saying that 
Um, Steph, he's the only reason why he's good is because Stefan Diggs. But what I am saying is, it is a cheat code to have a number one wide receiver, like a, a pure number one. Um, again, the reason why I can't put him higher is because of the interceptions. And there are times when he he gets he puts the Bills in situations that they're not. That they can't come mostly with his interceptions. That's again. That's honestly. There's no way that I can have the person that led the league in interceptions be a top five, in my opinion. Uh, even though he, he, the talent wise, he's a top five, obviously player. But those interceptions are costly. And again, I talked about this when I talked about the divisional breakdown. I don't know how many times there can be high expectations for the Buffalo Bills with Josh Allen as their quarterback. And every year those expectations are not met or not even really close to being met. Again, Josh Allen, as crazy as how many times that we've said that the Bills are Super Bowl contenders, Josh Allen has not played in a conference championship. The greatest game that we saw him and Patrick Mahomes and the greatest ending to a football game we've ever seen that was not in the co- in the in the college championship. I mean, that was not in the conference championship. That was in the round two. So, again, I, I think that Josh Allen has the capabilities and has the tools to be a top tier quarterback, and I think he is a top tier quarterback. But those interceptions, to me, hold him back from being a much better quarterback than or. Yeah, those interceptions hold him back a lot as far as my rankings. So I have him at number six. I guess this can be one of controversial to some people, but I have Lamar Jackson number five. Yo, when Lamar Jackson plays, I know that there's there's people that are still to this day saying that Lamar Jackson is not good at throwing the football. There's people to this day that says that Lamar Jackson is only good at running the football. There's people to this day that says that Lamar Jackson is not a winner only because he hasn't won a Super Bowl. Now I think about it. There's only two people on this list that have won a Super Bowl. There's only one, two, three, four, five, six, six seven, no, three people on this list. I don't think you understand how tough it is to win a Super Bowl, especially in today's game. Mind you, spoiler, uh, Justin Herbert is now on this list, and he is widely considered one of the best talents at the quarterback position. He is. I don't even think he's won a, a playoff game. So it's tough. But Lamar Jackson is actually statistically one of the best throwers of the football in, in, the, in the National Football League. He's also one of the – I think he wins 70% of the games he starts. Now, the thing that's holding him back, obviously, is his inability to finish seasons. The last two seasons, he missed the last six games due to injury. I think that when Lamar Jackson is healthy – the Ravens are one of the best teams in football. And the Ravens, actually, I think were number one in the AFC when Lamar Jackson was playing. And this is honest. This is also, I think the year, was it two years two years ago or last year, the Ravens, 
every single player on their team got hurt. I know you remember that when it was just like every single week. I think and all their running backs got hurt in, like before in training camp. J.K. Dobbins, Gus Edwards, they all got hurt. And then you start, you know, wide receiver after defensive player, like every single person got hurt. So, and even with that, when Lamar Jackson was healthy, he led this team to the number one the number one spot in the AFC. I think that there's a reason why I think that this is a big year for the NFC or AFC North. This is a big year for the Ravens. This is the first year where Lamar Jackson has a a wide receiver core. I see a lot of people that were talking to me in my comments talking about Hollywood Brown. Uh and if somebody had the nerve to tell me, and don't get me wrong, bro, like shouts out to Deshaun ja- Deshaun Jackson. Deshaun Jackson was incredible when he was playing for the Eagles and he also played for Washington for a, a year. Uh but people were saying he had Deshaun Jackson last year. What? Come on, bro. <laughs> Come on, bro. But this is the first year, and I think in his tenure as a in the Lamar Jackson era of the Ravens, that he they have a competent wide receiver core with Oda Beckham Jr. Hopefully, he's able to stay healthy. Zay Flowers, um, Rashad Bateman. Hopefully, he can stay healthy. And of course, we know the the connection that Lamar Jackson has with Mark Andrews. I kind of hearken that to uh, Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. So I think that. A lot of people want to crap on Lamar Jackson because, again, the lack of playoff success. He only has one playoff win. Um, But, again, let's look at the entire body of work. In the entire body of work, uh, Lamar Jackson is one of the best quarterbacks in football, and I think that he is going to prove that to people yet again this year. So I have a number five. At number four... And to me, this is the best defensive player in football is Nick Bosa. Well, no, a lot of people may not agree with his off the field stances. I'm just talking about what he does on the field and on the field. One of the biggest he is the the head of the spear for the 49ers and a 49ers team that not only is one of the most loaded teams, but defensively one of the best defenses in football, mainly because of Nick Bosa. With the speed, with the talent, with the physical brute force that he's able to come, like he's able to to unleash on an offense. It's hard for me to put anybody above him as far as defensive players in general. And what's even crazy, what's even how you know t- to me. The way that you can tell if he's the best defensive player, right, is look at his team. And he plays alongside Fred Warner. And any given, any given era, Fred Warner would be a top-tier defensive player in football. And honestly, would be considered one of the best defensive players of that era of that generation and while yes Fred Warner is great and Fred Warner is one of the best defensive players in football he his accomplishments his greatness kind of gets overshadowed and trumped by Nick Bosa 
That I mean, Nick Bosa did just win Defensive Player of the Year last year. He is incredible. He, again, <laughs> this defense, he's so good that even with Fred Warner, if you take Nick Bosa off this defense, it's not considered one of the best defenses in football. Well, yes, they have some good, they have Armstead, like they, they have some good pieces. Nick Bosa put, takes, puts them over the top. Um, now, I understand that he's he's in a holdout situation with the 49ers trying to get a new contract. I am interested to see how how that uh ends or comes to for or you know how that plays itself out because trust me, this team needs Nick Bosa. Like let's let's just be real here. Um so yeah, I have Nick Bosa as number 4. He is the best player in, or best defensive player in football to me. And what was even what's even crazier and, and and more like more of a I guess stat for Nick Bosa is when you look at just defenses, man, you look at some of the best defensive players, a lot of there's a lot of defensive players that are playing today that will go down the history books and that are future Hall of Famers, i.e. like Aaron Donald, uh Von Miller, uh Bobby Wagner possibly, like this is the golden age. I'm not going to say golden age of defenses. That's not true at all. But there are great defensive players. And to me, he reigns supreme as the best defensive player in football, which is why, again, I am very curious on how this whole holdout ends. Because kind of like Zach Martin for the Cowboys, it's imperative that the 49ers have Nick Bosa on their team. This this that's just not a piece you can plug plug and play. You're talking about the best defender in football, like the reigning defensive player of the year. You can't really just play with that. So we'll see. At number three, I have the only wide receiver in this entire group or entire list, and that's Justin Jefferson. I think the thing that holds him back, man, and this no offense to Kirk Cousins, but it's just true. You're playing with Kirk Cousins, and Kirk Cousins is throwing you the ball. I think that we are at a premium with wide receivers. Like this is this is such a gr- uh, crazy time for wide receivers. When you have C.D. Lamb, you have Jamar Chase, even some of the wide receivers that are less known but will be household names soon, like George Pickens from the Steelers or. Um, Cooper Cup. Well, he's not really less known, but you have Cooper Cup. Um, this is a crazy time for wide receivers. Uh, hell, you you also have Terry McLaurin, like it, it's uh, DK Metcalf. I think that Justin Jefferson is better than all of them. Now, I still have LSU in the back of my mind. And what I mean by that is it's been very it was very hard for me to put Justin Jefferson as a number one receiver because I remember the LSU days. I know that's very like it's not that you can't really do that, but that's just what I've done. At LSU, Jamar Chase was the guy. Jamar for people that want for people that forget how crazy and we'll talk about college football in a second. For people that 
Remember, for people that forget how crazy that LSU team is, you had Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, and Justin Jefferson on the same team. And that's just that's just three names. Like you, I think you had Stingley. Like it, it boy. You had Thaddeus Moss, who was an incredible tight end. Like that was a squad. And Justin Jefferson was not the guy. Um, well, let me not say that. Let me not say that. Let me not say that. Jamar Chase was better than him in college. That's just just what it is. But in the NFL, Justin Jefferson is probably the best route runner. He's probably the best. He probably has the best hands. Probably one of the fast, faster, uh, faster wide receivers getting to their breaks, getting to their cuts. And he is one of actually he is the brightest spot for the Vikings. Again, the thing that holds him back and the thing that holds a lot of wide receivers back is the top, is the quarterback position. I think that Terry McLaurin would be a more household name if he played with a better wide or better quarterback. That's just how it is. Um, but I do think that Justin Jefferson is the best wide receiver in football, and I have him at number three. <clears throat> at number two, I have Joe Burrow. Uh, there's not much that you, I think. I think number one and number two are kind of distant, have have kind of distanced themselves. I think you can pretty much understand who number one is. <laughs> but Joe Burrow, I mean, what in year four or five? I, f- I forget which one this is going to be. He's already been to an AFC championship or two AFC championships. He's been to one Super Bowl. Um, Joe Burrow is just is is an incredible, credible talent and. It's crazy that he had to spend what three years at Georgia, and was was a transfer to LSU, uh, and pulled off the greatest statistical season for a college football team ever. And then I was thinking, I was I was hoping that he wasn't going to be like a Tim Tebow or a Johnny Manziel or a. Um, what Baker Mayfield and I was because of his size and just because of his character and because of how he how he carries himself I thought he was gonna or I I had I was hoping he was gonna trip the the greatness that he had at LSU was gonna translate to the league and it has but I mean he's uh, he's number two on my list (laughs) he has been incredible and I think that I think that this is going to be I'll say this. I don't think hmm. I think that the Super Bowl will be going through the AFC North. Whether it's going to be Cincinnati Bengals or the Baltimore Ravens, I I'm going to give my prediction probably next year or next episode, but I think that one of the biggest reasons why I have the AFC North in, as the best team, best division in football is because you have four legit teams, two of which, in my opinion, are Super Bowl caliber teams. And 
Joe Burrow is the best quarterback in that division. And I people know how much of a fan I am of Lamar Jackson, but Joe Burrow is Joe Burrow. And he I think he's one of the best quarterbacks as one of the highest uh quarterback ratings in the pocket and uh I think hitting a wide open receiver or something like that. Oh no. In clutch time, he's one of the best quarterbacks in football as far as uh, quarterback ranking. So I have Joe Burrow at number two. And again, man, <laughs> y'all should know who number one is. It, it would be blasphemy. It would be blasphemous. It would be uh, sacrilegious if you don't have Patrick Mahomes as number one. You can be, You can be a... You can be in the division. You can be in the AFC. You can be a Broncos fan. And everyone knows Patrick Mahomes is the best player in football. From, I mean, what we saw him do last year, where he has two Super Bowls under his belt. He's been to three. Um, He won the MVP last year. It's Patrick Mahomes, man. (laughs) He's, He's... there's not much you can say. I mean, he won he won the conference championship and the Super Bowl on a high ankle sprain. I don't know if you guys know much about high ankle sprains, but those are like six weeks done injuries. I had a high ankle sprain. That joint is not fun. Um and one of the main reasons I talked about this uh when I talked about the AFC West is one of the main reasons why you can't count out the ch- uh, Chiefs ever is because of Patrick Mahomes. Um, he has been the model of consistency. He has been the best player in football since he's been in football or since the starter in football. And I, I'm, I'm I'm interested to see what this team looks like with Chris Jones holding out. It looks like he's not going to be here or one, when the season starts for a couple weeks uh, because of his holdout for the contract. And, again, I know that you can – I know Patrick Mahomes is good enough to make any wide receiver work, but I'm interested to see this is a very young and unproven wide receiver court. Now, yes, I understand that you have Travis Kelsey at the tight end position, and I know I put him at number nine, but I don't know. I don't know. I know that there was a lot of moving parts as far as the offensive line, as far as the wide receivers, as far as the defense. So this is going to be an interesting year for Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. But let's not let's let's not let's be honest here. Patrick Mahomes is the best player in this foot in this sport. So uh, that's my top ten. Again, I'm I'm sure hearing a lot of people click on or tap on the computer tap on the phones i know that there's players that they're probably asking why i left them out uh leave it in the comments i'm not saying you have to give me your top 10 but who do you think i left out the top 10 who would you add let me know we'll talk about it i think the hardest person to leave out of this might have been uh might have been Justin Jefferson. Oh no, might have been a uh, Jamar Chase. That was a tough one because I like Jamar Chase. Um, 
I I don't know if you guys have watched, but there are two incredible documentaries out that talk about uh, football and college football and just football in general. And that is uh, the untold story, the swamp swamp tales about the dominance of college football or dominance that the Florida Gators had, even though that I feel like it did leave a lot out. I do think it was an incredible look at um, just how good that that Florida team was. And this is also coming off of, you know, college football is here. College football started. I know Florida just got destroyed. Well, yeah, just got pretty much embarrassed against Utah the other night. Um, And the other documentary is BS High. Now, I know it's a high school, but, yo, if you have not seen BS High, I think that you have to stop what you're doing and watch that documentary. It is one of the craziest stories I've ever seen. But with football at an all-time high right now, again, college football is here, the swamp swamp stories or swamp tales, whatever it's called, but that's the Florida documentary, BS, BS High, that documentary, and NFL starting. I wanted to give my best college players of all time my my best college players of all time in certain positions uh we have seen the 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 craziest and the beauty the, the the beauty about college football is you can be incredible in college football you can be a hall of famer in college football and not really do much in in the nfl that really shows the talent in the nfl i'm not saying college football is trash but people leave legacies in college football that can never be replaced and it can never be changed um in your football your nfl career doesn't impact your college football career unless you do something like egregious um but I want to talk about some of my favorite and probably make a, I'm not going to do like linemen or whatever, but, or like offensive linemen and, and stuff like that. But I'm creating the greatest college football teams by, you know, some positions. Um, and I'm interested to see, I want you guys to combat my team. I want you guys to go in the comments and you Give me your team, your best college football team, as far as what we'll talk about, what I'm, what I'm talking about. I want you to create the best college football team. And let me know where I was wrong at, where I was right at. Just, we'll talk about it. Let's start at the quarterback position. To me, this was the hardest decision of all of them. Um, because you have to understand, man. There have been some incredible college football quarterbacks. I mean, we remember how great Peyton Manning was at Tennessee. We remember, and one of my favorite, probably my favorite that I've ever watched, is Cam Newton at Alabama, Marcus Mariota at Oregon, um, Michael Vick at Virginia Tech, uh, Vince Young at Texas. There have been some incredible. Another documentary that's out right now is Johnny Manziel. Uh, 
and and how great he was at um, Texas A&M. There have been some, and I mean, and, and you can also go back to Roger Starball, Danny, Danny, uh, no, uh, Dan Marino, Doug Flutie. You know what I'm saying? Like there have been some great college quarterbacks. Case Keenum, he holds like nine records right now. But to me, the my greatest college football quarterback of all time is Tim Tebow. Um, Tim Tebow has two national championships, Heisman winner, two-time SEC Player of the Year, Dave O'Brien winner, AP Player of the Year in 2007, and three-time All-American. Uh, again, maybe I'm a, I'm not even a prisoner at the moment. The numbers that he was putting up is 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 something that we have we have never seen. Now, I do think that it was very beneficial that he was in Urban Meyer's offense and that he had someone like Percy Harvin on the team. But Tim Tebow, to me, is the greatest college football quarterback of all time. And this is coming from somebody that, for the longest, has has stood on the table and said, no, Cam Newton's the greatest. Um, nah, it's, it's Tim Tebow. I have Tim Tebow as my greatest college football quarterback of all time. Um, wide receiver was also very hard because to me it's between two players. It's between Calvin Johnson. Now, people that know me know that Calvin Johnson is my favorite football player of all time. Um, I'm not gonna. I mean, yes, he's he's my favorite college football player of all time. Or no, he's my favorite football player of all time. He's one of the biggest reasons why I was such a fan of football even though he wasn't winning anything in Detroit but the numbers that he put up at Georgia Tech the man in three seasons man he had 178 receptions 2,972 reception yards 28 touchdowns like he was a beast man and it was extremely hard for me to to put anybody else above him but I did and to me there's only one person that would be above Calvin Johnson as the greatest college football wide receiver of all time and that is one of the only the one the only Randy Moss let me look let me first tell you Randy Moss right he was not playing with anywhere close to NFL talent. He was not he was not on a team that you would in any stretch of the imagination think that. In fact, I think he was the only player, if I could be wrong, but I think he was the only player on that team that even got NFL consideration. He didn't have a good quarterback. Randy Moss was Marshall. Now, the reason why he went to Marshall was, of course, a lot of off-the-field issues, but he went to Marshall. At Marshall, mind you, again, this is with a very, very, very bad quarterback. This man uh, had 78 or 78 catches. 179 yards and 28 touchdowns. 
Oh my goodness. Moves to the triple highest, blah, blah, blah. Uh, his last year, his last year, he had 96 catches for 182 yards and 26 touchdowns. Randy Moss was was a high uh, a Heisman candidate. I think he finished the top four. I know Charles Woods didn't win, but you know there was nobody like Randy Moss, not a person. And as much as I love Calvin Johnson, I had to give it to uh, Randy Moss. Tight end was a little different. You'd think it may be someone like Tony Gonzalez or. Or Rob Gronkowski, um, uh, maybe someone like Shannon Sharp, some of the greatest tight ends we've ever seen in in, in the NFL. But no, and and to me, I know that people are gonna what what people <laughs> what people like to do is they like to attach to one person, which which I did. I do that a lot too. Like I. It was very hard for me to get over the fact that I didn't have Cam Newton as my f- best quarterback. I didn't have uh, Calvin Johnson, two of probably my favorite NFL or football players ever. Um, but for the tight end position, I have Brock Brewers. Now, people are like, wait, you mean the Brock Brewers that's currently playing? Yes. Um, I think he is the greatest tight end. I know you can say Keith Jackson, but no. Brock Brewers in his career already has has two-time national champion, uh John Mackey Award, two-time AP All-American, two-time All-SEC, and SEC Freshman of the Year in 2021 at a tight end position. Mind you, we talked about Travis Kelsey, and I'm not saying that Brock Brewers is going to be better than Travis Kelsey, nor am I going to say he is Travis Kelsey. But what I will say is the one thing that benefits Travis Kelsey and why I think that he is one of the greatest of all time is his wide receiver-like ability. And that's also the same that you can say about Brock Brewers. Brock Brewers – or is he there's nothing he can't do he's great at blocking he's great at catching he's great at uh, yards after the catch he's great at getting open he's one of the main reasons why georgia won the national championship these last two years and he has been the best tight end in football i know that uh kincaid dalton kincaid uh got drafted last year he is nothing compared to brock brewers and i think brock brewers has the case to be the best tight end of all time in college football running back look here (laughs) you want to know one of the biggest reasons why people put up with what the hell Herschel Walker be talking about is because of what he did at Georgia Herschel Walker was by far the best I'm not gonna say by far but Herschel Walker is the best college football running back of all time in my opinion i know you have Barry sanders and there's i know i think that herschel and i know you also have um jim brown i think a lot of people will say it it could be him but in three years herschel walker has 5,259 yards and 52 total touchdowns and this is 
1980 through 82. Again, the reason why a lot of people put up with whatever the hell Herschel Walker be talking about today is because of how great of a football player he was. At I mean, he was a Heisman winner. He is, I think, college football uh, 100, which is the 100 greatest college football players. I think I know he's on that list. And you'd be hard pressed to find me a better wide receiver or running back than Herschel Walker. There's again, when, when we talk about Herschel Walker, who had a really good NFL career, nobody talks about his NFL career. Everyone talks about how great of a player he was in college football. He was one of the greatest. Um, yeah, man. Uh, let's go over to the defense. I'm going to do cornerback, safety, defensive end, and linebacker. At the cornerback position, to me, it it has to go to Charles Woodson. Charles Woodson uh, is the only pure defensive player that I've won um, the the Heisman. And they won a national championship in 1997. Charles Woodson. You can you can say what you want about him. About how you feel about Michigan or how you feel about Charles Woodson's career in football as far as the NFL when he played for the Raiders and the Packers. But Charles Woodson was one of the best if not I think he was the best cornerback in football and this is this is Champ Bailey at Georgia was incredible uh Deion we know about Deion Sanders um Patrick Peterson was great Jalen Ramsey Rod Woodson Tyron Matthew at LSU was was insane um but I just I think that it's there's levels to it and while I think it's very close between Charles Woodson, Champ Bailey, and Deion Sanders. I'm giving the nod to Charles Woodson because he has the Heisman. Uh, and yeah, man, it yeah, I, I have Charles Woodson at the at the cornerback position. He's he's Charles Woodson. And some of these people to me are are undeniable. Like you can't really deny Herschel Walker. Uh, to me, you really can't deny Charles Woodson. And honestly. You really can't deny Tim Tebow either when you look at the numbers. Um, defensive end. I don't know if you guys remember, but in 2009, right? In fact, hold on. Let me see some. 2009 Heisman. Uh... No, I think it was 2008. I just want to be a thousand percent correct with you guys. Um, okay, it was 2009. 2009. Mark Ingram II won, obviously, the Heisman. And... He was well deserving of the Heisman. Like he he deserved the Heisman. He was he was that great. Well, I'm not gonna say that. 
What I will say is he was incredible for Alabama. The person that I believe deserved to win the Heisman, and I don't know why the hell they didn't give it to him, was Ndamukong Sue. You can look at the antics. You can look at whatever you want to look at. But there's no question that Ndamukong Sue at Nebraska was one of the most dominant players we have ever seen in college football. As a junior, Nanamakasu had 76 tackles, 19 tackles for loss. He had 7.5 sacks. And in 2000, was it? Uh, in 2019, give me a second. In 2019, he had 93 tackles, two, 24 ta- tackles for loss, and 12 sacks. He was a unanimous all-first team All-American. He won the Lombardi Trophy, uh, the Nagruski Trophy, the Ben Ark Trophy, and he also was a Heisman finalist, even though... I, he was tied for fourth. I do believe that Dominican Sue in 2009 should have won the Heisman. That's there is we have never seen. I'm not going to say never, but very few and far between have we seen a player dominate college football the same way and in the same ferocity that we've seen the Dominican Sue at Nebraska. So I just, yeah. Ndamukong Sue at the defensive end position for me. At the linebacker position. Now, this is a little I don't I don't know if you guys remember because when people think of LeVar Arrington, right? All people really, well, especially people from from home People think of as oh he played the dude that played for Washington yeah yes that's that's Lavar Arrington but Lavar Arrington at Penn State was arguably the greatest linebacker we have ever seen in college football history um Penn State has always had a uh, a historic, I guess you can say, um, lineage of, of players. But we have never seen a linebacker more physically dominant, in my opinion, than LeVar Arrington was at Penn State. Um, from 1997 to 1999, there was not a player like... Let me let me let me pull some stuff up for you. Give me a second. I accidentally closed out of it. <laughs> At Penn State, man, Lavar. Hold up. I I I want to give you guys. I want to give you guys. 
a a a a a complete complete um let's say a complete snapshot of LeVar Arrington and what exactly he did LeVar Arrington in college football Give me a second, guys. Boom. I was looking through my notes. Sorry. (laughs) That man had 72 tackles, 20 tackles for loss, nine sacks, and two block kicks in 1999. Uh, He was the leader of a Penn State team that went 28-9 record. And... They were trash at the at the quarterback position. Um, yo, he leaped over an offensive lineman on fourth and down to secure it. Bro, we've never seen a player as far as physically dominant and and such a physical freak of nature than Lavar Arrington was at Penn State, and. Yeah, he has my linebacker position. And the safety position, it's it's kind of easy for me. It was between one or two players. It was between Sean Taylor or Ed Reed. And rest in peace, Sean Taylor, I had to give it to Ed Reed. Ed Reed is considered one of the greatest high, uh, safeties of all time. Um, I know Troy Palomalu is definitely in there, but... Uh, to me, it's Ed Reed. And what Ed Reed did at Miami, Miami, we know Miami is, especially back in the day, is one of the cornerstones for defensive players. I mean, there's, the, yo, Miami is littered, or the, the NFL is, the NFL greats, the NFL Hall of Fame is littered with Miami players. Uh, Ed Reed, um, Ray Lewis, I mean, he's not in the Hall of Fame, but Sean Taylor definitely would have been if he didn't pass away like he did. Um, it's, it's, it's Ed Reed, man. That's, that's just it. <laughs> and it's, it's not that close. So those, that's, that's my, that's my top 10 or those, that's my team. Tim Tebow at quarterback, Randy Moss, at wide receiver, Brock Brewers at tight end, Hershel Walker at wide receiver. I mean, no, uh, running back. I'm sorry. Cornerback, you have Charles Woodson. Charles Woodson. Ch- safety, you have Ed Reed. Defensive end, you have Ladamikin Sue, and linebacker, you have Levi Arrington. Let me know you guys' list, man. Let me know who you think I left out. Who would you add? Who your you make a team and and let me know what what greatest of all time team is beating that team in college football. Uh, and there you have it, man. That has been today's episode of the Unpopular Podcast. I truly, truly appreciate you guys. Um, if you want an Unpopular Podcast shirt, hoodie, sweater, long sleeve, or joggers, link is in the description below. at multiple different colors, multiple different designs. Get your Unpopular Podcast merch today. Also, please subscribe to the YouTube channel. I am so, so close. I think I'm uh, 64 away from 1,000 subscribers. So tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend to please subscribe. It definitely, definitely means a lot to me. I post pretty much daily new episodes every Wednesday and Saturday. You guys know that. And the visuals also, of course, on YouTube. So tell a friend to subscribe. Trying to get to 1,000 subscribers. It definitely means a lot. 
Also, subscribe to the socials. Subscribe to Instagram. Subscribe to TikTok. I also post reels and and shorts and and stories and stuff every single day on those channels or on the, not channels on those uh those platforms. So definitely uh, or follow. It would mean a lot. Uh, yeah, and I, I appreciate you guys. I hope you have a great weekend. Uh, college football is is gonna is running rampant today. So I, I hope you guys hope your team wins and. Until next time, much love.